search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, Summoners of the Rift, to episode number 95 of the Broken by Concept podcast, the number one podcast in solo queue improvement for the game, the the indie game League of Legends. Very independent. Where should we start exploring the solo We're a day late, Nathan, experience. so apologize, Robbie. Yeah, we, we are. We need to apologize. Yeah, we, Easter yeah. weekend, family commitments, etc. Yeah. Um, couldn't get around it, so we're a day late. We are a day late. Um, there was people quite upset about yep. that. There was a protest outside your apartment and my apartment simultaneously. Broken by a concept. Waking up our entire Where is apartment. our podcast? Where is With our podcast? Pitchforks and everything. So where should we start on our solo queue journey <laughs> today, Curtis? Because we love solo queue so much. Just... I want to gank you here oh, quickly. God, I'm getting Because you, uh, you've got Will, oh. your number one client that you've worked with. Oh, God. For a long time. Yeah. And um, he's obviously, you made it very vocal. He's trying to go pro. Yeah. He's trying to make it into the scene, etc. And, you know, I've got a few people in the MLA mm. that also are trying to go pro. Uh, I think there's like a handful, probably, I think there's like three, mm. four that are genuinely trying to go pro. And a common question I get is, you know, how do they, how do they kind of balance um, league in their life with just with mental refreshing in a way because you know obviously you know we, we we've spoken about schedules they, they've got great schedules so they're ticking all the boxes they're doing like splitting their days up getting their exercise in exercise that's the most um, they're doing all that right yeah but then three block you know, how do you then what would your advice be to say a, 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 someone pursuing pro when it comes to like like a weekend do they have a day off a week um, do they take a, a morning off? Maybe do one three block on a Saturday instead. Do they have a social life at all? How do they balance social life with that? Like, what would your and and I really struggle to like. I I don't know how to answer this because on one side, I believe that you do need some form of recovery in there, but also at the same time, I don't believe in balance mm. when it comes to going pro mm. in, in a game like League mm. or any elite sport. Mm. So, what's your take on this, Nathan? What what advice would you give? I am in the ballpark with you. I I don't know. I can't give advice because I think it varies from person to person. Right. If I let's say if I want to be pro, I would probably not be taking any breaks or anything like that. You know, like break that whole break day. Maybe like throughout the day. You know, the, the exercise is a bit of a break and mm. stuff. I mean, it's just personally what I would do. Like That's if I if I was do. to go back, it's like I'd still be playing the game, loving the game every day. Um, especially if you're a young kid, you should yeah. be just. You have to be living and breathing it, obviously. And um, what would you say to Will? Has he ever like had periods where he's felt burnt? Yeah. For, and what does he sure. do? Yeah. Uh, you just push through, push, push through, through the pain barrier. Yeah. So he doesn't take days no, off. No, he does. He does. He definitely. Or with his school schedule, because he's high school as well. Yeah. So he he just has days where he's doing homework and stuff. He just gets. No so he games doesn't play in. the game at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I've, but I think that was just by circumstance like just the nature of school and your schedule and outside activities like he plays basketball and stuff right you know? okay i don't think that's like a conscious effort thing you know but in a way you think you might coincidentally but it could, be, healthy. be healthy yeah that's right right because he has a barrier or like but when he gap. leaves high school be very interesting, That'd be interesting to see yeah that's that's the question right mm. what what will look like what the discipline will be how yeah i just kind of want to raise that and and, and I, I i think it's something we need to think about more because i just genuinely I don't know. Don't know like, I, I think that question in general. So, what's your question is: is 
Like, how do you unwind? How do you unwind? And how do you... Because... Okay, so basically, one of them, I won't say his name, said something along the lines of, look, you know, I'm gi- I'm giving... I'm willing to give everything. And he does give everything. He's made a lot of sacrifices. He puts in, like, the time. He's got the schedule. He's doing it all, right? And and then he said, like, so... But I'm, I, I can feel sometimes, like, quite exhausted and... Um, especially when it comes to like, I've been grinding for days and days and days and days and days. I, I find like sometimes I need something like, I, and I feel very like isolated. I don't have any, um, refreshing, refreshing periods within his schedule in a way. Right. And and what I said was, there's a very big difference between grabbing a coffee and having a good quality conversation with a friend versus going out clubbing. Like you can, so for example, on like a weekend, mm-hmm. you could grab a mm-hmm. coffee and have a good chat to a mate for two hours. And then you, you've had a beautiful morning. Maybe you grab some breakfast, whatever. You're ready rearing to go. And you haven't really, you haven't ruined, it's not like you've ruined your body or your mind or anything. You're in a good spot mentally, physically, and you can play for that even if you really wanted to. That's very different to going out and having six pints at a pub on a Saturday night because then your Sunday's done and then, you know, that's like... No, no, there's no such thing as a League of Legends player doing that. Game. Right, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> a that, 16-year-old guy they're, playing League. They're both, quote-unquote, social activities yeah. and they're both, quote-unquote, breaks, but they're very different in terms of recovery. So the way I approached the question was do things that don't burden your performance in the long run. Like, break... Right, I think it's important to have a break at some point, whether it's an evening off, maybe you do a morning solo queue and then you take from, you know, uh, you do a solo queue block from say nine to 12 and then maybe you just do that one on that Saturday. And then for the rest of the evening, you're kind of off the computer, you're doing your thing and chilling with friends or family, watching a movie, whatever. And then Sunday morning, you're back into it. But that's very different to again, going out on that Saturday night because then you can still wake up early on that Sunday and then have a full day. You know what I mean? That was my response. So be be... I think it's just common sense, really, isn't it? It's like, you're not going to have a normal social life if you're going to go down that route. You're not going to have all the other luxuries of the average person around you in terms of time and Netflix and all that shit. And you're not going to have the ability to go out clubbing and all that stuff because, again, that the recovery time is so large. Mm. So that was the way I approached it. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, all those things, it's like you sort of mention it like as a downside. If you're trying to be the best in something, you just want to just do it all the time. You really love right. it. It does. It's like, not even I, a sacrifice. I, I, it's just, yeah, it's not a sacrifice. It, nothing else matters anyway. No, nothing yeah. else matters. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be good to know these people that where that question is actually asked from what sort of place. Is it like just a, they're looking for some way out in some way right. or like... Like, uh, to be honest, if I'm getting asked that question, if that's a focus, I think that question is a good question, just one off. But if that's starting to be a focus and a really big problem, that's going to be a huge then problem. Then you would question career. whether or not they, they should even be going down that. Yeah, that's right. Right. Like, they might get close, but they won't have what it really that takes. That extra push, yeah. Yeah, you I know? feel you. Yeah, something I think we need to think about. But I think it's largely unexplored because there's so few NA pros or even EU pros that have grinded from a young age and made it into a pro position from, from the, like actually aspired to be pro from a very young age. You know what I mean? It's so uncommon. I mean, there's not many of them, right? I mean, that that generation is slowly coming in now, but I guess before it was more, I mean, we just stumbled into it. It's like, oh, we always, and even the current, and the current, a lot of the current pros stumbled into it in a way. They just played the game a lot higher. You're like, oh, cool. I can make a career out of this. Just something to think about. 
Anyway, um, moving on. I had a client, uh, a Cassidy player. Love Cassidy players. And we've got um, our famous Cassidy player, the, the, our pinned clip. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the locked camera Cassidy <laughs> player. Yeah, yeah. The best silver player in the world, right? <laughs> Terry, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, he's still in the MLA. Is he really? Yeah, I love Terry. He's, Is so, he still he's playing on locked camera? Uh, no, nah, he doesn't. He he's he's a really good player. He just doesn't have enough time to play the game yeah. studies. But anyway, and we're talking about um, the topic of risk came up where um, there was a situation where we went through a play. It was in mid game and he was at kind of, I think it was at two and a half items. He hit his spikes. Uh, he was really strong and he, he knew that he was going to incrementally win the game anyway, just the way it was going. And like he obviously his team comp scaled well. He's playing Kassadin. And then, but there was a pick opportunity on the enemy Tristana and he went for it, but he had to kind of flash alt and then like capitalize on Trist, like jumping in. It was like a, it was a very in the moment, like you had to be very decisive and he did it and he executed it and he got the kill and they won the game off it essentially. Right. And he said to me after, he said, Curtis, wasn't this risky? Like if I mess this up, don't we just lose the game? And I said, I felt really like conflicted in that moment because I talk about risk at certain stages of the game and then I don't and, and then I do talk about risk I talk about it in in different stages I do and I don't and so I reflected on this and I've got a few thoughts that I want to kind of explore here with you first one risk is a very difficult concept to, to wrestle with because it's risk is actually subjective based on one's competence isn't it so um, a classic, like whenever I think of risk, I always think about my background in skateboarding and a common scenario that anyone who was listening to this had ever skateboarded before. The first thing you learn is basically to Ollie, which is jump, right? To like, like jump on the skateboard, Ollie on a skateboard. And when you're a kid and like, you know, a lot of, like a lot of the int- people who skate, they always think, oh, it'd be so cool to skate around the streets and like Ollie up the curves, Right. Like, it just looks cool. It's like, I can skate, I can ollie up this curve and I can just go around everyone. Like, everyone aspires to do that when they first start skating. Tony Hawk. Right, yeah, you get inspired by, like, Tony Hawk and you see them skate around the streets. It's, like, so cool, right? But when you're not confident to ollie, like, you say you might be able to ollie up the curve maybe one at, like, 50% of the time. If you're in a public setting <laughs> and there's all these people around you, like, on a pedestrian, you're on the sidewalk, and then you fail to ollie up the thing and then you face plant or something... Like the risk is like in my mind so high. Like I would always bitch and I would never do it in public. I'd rather just do it. I'd when rather I'm just pick up my skateboard and just walk over yeah. there, and then rather than ollie yeah. up the curve. If you are gonna ollie, you ollie in a more safe environment. Right? Yeah, when no one's watching or something, right? Until, but then a, a pro skater would never think that of, of risk. It's like you either know how to do it or you don't, or they, they've done it so many times there is no risk involved. And so when I. So when we're thinking about risk, we got to remember at the back of our mind that this is all just subjective. There's an element of objectivity. Like I would say there's an element of it based off the, the stakes at play and the game state and how difficult it is to execute particular plays. But again, we got to remember that everyone has different competence levels. And if you're feeling it, you're feeling it. You might not ever think about risk based off your champ mastery. It's either I know how to do it or I don't know how to do it. Um, so I just want to start with that. What are your immediate thoughts with risk? What comes to mind? Do you use, does, does the term come up in your coaching? Um, what are your thoughts? Um, risk. All right. So I would say the way I teach the game, the way I play the game is very risk adverse, right? 
Um, but then there's always that. It's like, well, you know, I, I still did take... It's not like I. that's the only way I played the game. Like, right, obviously, yeah. I did limit tests and try out things and go in as Rek'Sai and, like, ult someone who, like, I thought was killable in terms of lethal range with my ult, but, like, I, he survives on one HP and then, you know, I fucking throw a game and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I'd say my immediate thought is as you're learning the game... Oh, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because you've got to do both. You've got to do both, right? You've got to do both. Because the, 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 the conundrum is you need to take risk, take risks to learn and limit test and figure out what your limits actually are. Yeah. But then if you take too many risks and you're, you're what they would call, what is not risk averse. What's the opposite of risk averse? You're, I don't know. You're just a very... Reckless. Yeah, that's... A, yeah, you're a reckless player and you take risks all the time. Yeah. Then your confidence can go through the floor because you're failing everything or, mm. and your mm. gameplay will mm. become very sloppy and you lose confidence and that's going to influence your gameplay obviously in the f- future. But also, you, you largely are going to be an inconsistent player because you've got to pick your right moments. So my theory is this, Nathan. I think it really does depend on the on the context of like your learning journey, like are you trying to limit test a particular thing or not? Like maybe you know that you're not good at this yet, but you're not focusing on it yet. It's like, I, I know this is an area like, for example, say you're learning, um, well, I know from like when I learned Kiana, for example, I could go for this dive here, but I know that if I fail this dive, I won't be able to learn the thing that's really important for me in this game, which is actually playing around objectives later on. So I'm going to forego the risk here. I'm not going to limit test this. I can limit test that another time, but I'm going to pick and choose when I'm limit testing. I feel as though that is a very good way of going about it. Knowing when you're doing it. Yeah, when you're going to do it. When you're going to limit and what specifically you're going to limit test and what specifically you're willing to take risk with. Same thing might go for you where say, say you're, you're on your, you're, you're trying to climb, right? And there's like a dive. That, and you, you kind of know that if you execute it well with your top laner, you could probably make it happen, but you don't need to make that dive happen to win the game. That's right. It depends what mindset, what, what's your mindset like in that moment and, and approach heading into the game. Like sometimes, you know, you just really need to win. Even though this sounds shit, like sometimes you just need it. Like you're, you're in a hole and you're, you're, you're gaining your you confidence back. Confidence. You're re- trying to re- <laughs> you're in a rebuilding phase, you know? Yeah. And you just know, you don't, you don't, you're not just ready. Just don't do anything risky. You're not and, ready yeah. to do that. You know, you're not ready to do that But you're on a win streak risk. and just go for every fire. You're like, oh, fuck, if I lose these next two games, who cares? Well, I'm just again, gonna it's not them. about the win streak or loss streak. It's more your mindset and your mind state. Are you in a healthy mind state? Like, are you like feeling, you're feeling good, confident, you're, you're just willing to learn and fail? Or are you very fragile at the moment? And you need to kind of ease into it and take it one step at a time. And maybe let's be a little bit more risk averse. I think there's that context of things as well. But I think it is champ dependent. Yes. Like, like I think with Kassadin, for example, right? If your champ inherently scales and has a weak early game, early lane, um, you're probably less inclined to take risks in the early game because they're not, it's not as important. But then even in saying that, I feel it hurts my soul to even say that because it's either it's a player or it's not a player. That should be the point that you're striving to get to. Right? I can either get this cheesy level three Kassadin solo kill or I can't. Like when I verse good quality Kassadin players in high elo, they you, don't you, play defensive. You know that the best players are walking that tightrope. That's right. Of, they're walking that tightrope. So that's where it gets, ugh, I guess it makes you feel really, rough, and, and I struggled to articulate my answer because what actually happened is that he didn't resonate with my initial response. So what I told him was that this is okay to go for because you need to 
you're Cassidy. And he didn't get what that meant. And so basically, this was like the way the analogy I used was, so Cassidy, you're a playmaker, right? You're a carry. You're the, the big dick plays. It's all on you, right? When when it gets to mid-game, you've already made the sacrifice of picking your champ. Your lane is a little your bit lane, further behind yeah. than usual. Well, like your jungle's getting no prior, yeah. that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So you've got to make up for it. You're, you're a playmaker. You're a carry. So when it's your time to shine, you've got your two items, you're, you're ready, you're rearing to go, it's your time. If you don't make those plays, there's no point playing your champion in a way. Like you have to take risks and limit test aggressively riff walk aggressively riff walk because there's just no point otherwise playing your champ you're just not juicing the value of your kit and the analogy i used was say with any playmaker in any other sport let's say it's like we're talking ufc or, or or football or whatever it might be in those intense moments they're not thinking of risk if they're playing to win they're not thinking about risk they're going to go for that they're going to go for that shot. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, we're in the overtime. We're 92 minutes in, right? We're in overtime right now. And, you know, it's 1-1. If he loses possession, they could theoretically lose the game. But he sees a shot opportunity. He's never going to say, oh, it's too risky. I'm not going to take this shot. He's going to take it. He's a playmaker. Like, that's what you do in that position. And that's kind of how I felt, like, the vibe that Kassanen should be if, like, you're in mid-game. But I feel like the context is very different if you're, like, a tier, or you're maybe, like, a facilitator. You're playing Sona, and, like, sure, you could go for that flash R play, but you're probably going to win anyway. But that's the des- by design. You're, in, you're a utility champion. You're not the big dick playmaker, you know? But I find that even then, it's, it's always, I always feel icky saying it. Yeah, I don't think it's black and white. Yeah, it's just not as, black and white, As we say it? with lots of things in League of Legends. I mean, for example, I had a I had a, a coaching session today mm. with Philip and his learning diner, and um, we've been we've been talking about taking good fights and having numbers mm. advantage and tracking where everyone is, right? And then there was this moment in this game, you know, it's pretty even. I think they're a little bit behind where there's three people of the enemy team like pushing mid, and they're like under the tower, right? Mm. And then he only had one team member on his team, yep. and he decided to just go into the side lane and get, you know, three waves and like pressure with the Rift Herald. But I was saying, it's like, actually you could go you for the old under the tower, you know, flank the hit, yeah. a perfect flank as well, right? Yeah, right. Go for that, yeah. you know, but which is funny because we've been talking mm. about all this time taking good fights, numbers advantage. And then I'm like, well, this is the opposite of what I mean telling right. you because in this specific situation, you know, you're like, only going to know if you do it. Yeah, you've got to do it because because now Dino is one of the very good champions at again champions. You're more damaged the more people in your are and that sort of thing. Of like when people are vulnerable, they're pushed up. It's like Zach under a tower. Like mm. he can turn numbers advantage fights with a really good E. They're overextended, gets on the carry. And that's like your identity in a that's way. That's your identity. You've got to right? do that. But if I'm Rexi, I can't go into three people because no. I can only kill one at max, no. right? And I was die. So that's uh, that's a great situation there. Talking about you've got to do it, but yes, he did the risk adverse thing, but. I don't even like the word risk now thinking about it. Is risk even the right word we should use for league? Well, I think in that specific situation, that is risk. It definitely is because there's a risk that he... He he doesn't trust track one flash or something like that. Mm. But then again, I guess you could have that information. So you could probably get the percentage. You either know how to do it or you don't. It would be looking good. But I guess you can mechanically mis-execute. Maybe he misses his cue. Someone or... gets like a lucky skill shot. Like you walk into a Zara E or whatever mm. that randomly hits you and then you just walk up and die. Mm. 
Yeah, there is there is definitely an element yeah. of risk, but yeah, I mean, I would say lots of league players there are like you know even at the top level, like l- like lucky things can happen which can look like it was risky, right? The only time for me where I genuinely think about risk in my games is when it comes to going for the end or going for Baron, and I always call for Baron. For Baron, yeah, I like agree. I am the <laughs> ultimate. Like I like I get <laughs> spam, I get flamed for this in yeah, my games. So yeah. people spam pin question. We could have ended, me. yeah. People could end it. I've I've actually I've lost too many games from that. You just take the, it. Better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, it's better to be safe this, than sorry. Like I would rather yeah. like not win a game, trying to go for the Baron, like miss an opportunity to win the game, but get the Baron then go for the Nexus every time. Yeah, because you're gonna probably win the game if you get the Baron anyway. You're like yep. the chances are so high. You just close it out just correctly. You don't you got need two inhibs. Yeah, you know, you just get the Baron just and get, get the, the third baron. inhib. I don't even like the way I view it. Like if I can get. The, many, the, the most common situation is when like we've aced them in mid game and like they've long their th- death time is we got it. We can like run up mid and maybe go for it. But like one of their members is coming up earlier. I always just view it as like, okay, if we worst case scenario, what, or okay. Best case scenario, we end, but worst case scenario, what happens is we go up mid, we get the inhib, we get one Nexus tower and then, and then, they protect the last Nexus Tower. That's right. You have no tempo. They get full control over the control, map. We yep. lose Baron. Yep. And the game's just fucked. Yep. I mean, everyone's been in that situation a million times. And that 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 is so painful. That experience is so painful. So that's your element of... of that's, that's the, the only... That's, for me in my games anyway, for okay. me as a player, that's the only time I think about risk. So remember, we're on the opposite end of like, we've taken a shit ton of risk and probably right, learned things right. and failed a lot, right? Yeah. So I think we need to like categorize this. It's like, what does risk mean for someone learning the game? Yeah. And what does risk mean for like a high yellow player like I'm going to bring it back to... I'm going to bring it back to... Um, very simply... Where are you at on your journey in terms of like what, like, are you learning? Have you already got a set learning objective? Or are you trying to discover what your weaknesses are such that you can create a learning objective? So I call this, and I, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast, where there's the, the execution and learning phases of, have I spoken about it on the podcast? You've dabbled in it. Right. So Clarify I talk first. about this all the time in my coach, in my MLA, where someone is either in the learning phase of their solo journey or the execution phase. So what I mean by that is if I set someone a learning objective, and they're working on it and they need to put in the games and put in for a few weeks to like make that a habit. They're in what I would call like the, the phase where they're actually creating the new habit. There is what I call the learning phase. Once that learning phase, once I've actually ingrained that habit and they've got it. And so I, I've, I imagine it, it's like, they just got a new piece of gear. Like they've added a new piece of gear on them. They're stronger. Now we execute. We, we see where that gets you. Just play, play with your new skill set. And, and and get to the rank where you plateau next. That's execution phase. You're not learn. You're not actually focusing on anything. You're just expressing your best self. You're you're, you're using your new skill set, and we go. We see where that gets you. Then we go back into the learning phase, knowing, figuring out where you're at, where your plateau point is again, and then we give you another learning objective. Right. I think if you're in the, if you've already got a set learning objective, and like you know where you needed to be directing your attention. Taking these risks, these big dick risky plays, they can actually complicate, overcomplicate your learning journey. I believe, in a yeah, way, yeah, I can say that. because uh, because a risk. Let's say someone who, let's say a gold player or platinum player who mm. views something as risky, to us it will be crystal clear whether yeah, it was risky or that's not. Right, right, that's right. Uh, but there's no way they could possibly have the knowledge for that because they're missing some piece. They're that, missing. They're some missing something. There. You know, they're, they're not thinking about, for example, um, oh great, I had another example here, like, uh this platinum player review today i did 
the enemy team used all their abilities on mm. uh, you know someone and like yep. but he was still playing cautiously because he thought it was like he a thought, risky play but i saw it as like dude you need they, to be going well, here he it's didn't like, recognize it's that they used their abilities yeah. right yeah, yeah. Yep. he didn't realize yep. that there was no kill threat on him right so i think that the the word risk has literally two different meanings and i think it's hard for us to relate what risk right. means to the way yeah, we yeah 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 so the way we perceive risk and they perceive risk is very different, different isn't yeah. it and so, and right. yeah so so risk is actually yeah i think that oh, you throw the word out on. you're actually spot on it's when we say it, it, it genuinely is risk because it's a very ambiguous we situation. We have max information. Yeah, so it's like... We have max information. Okay, let, let's be clear here. And game sense. The reason we, in our situations, like the barren and end one, the margins are so tight and there is... And we have all the information. We're thinking about everything. We know it all. But but we with the timing... It's more of a timing issue, isn't it? It's like... This could go one way or it could go the other. It's very, very... like Because I don't know everyone's damage on the team like perfectly, so... Yeah, yeah that's game sense, intuition. That's that game sense. built over thousands of games. But in a way, that's... It's, it's a very ambiguous. It's a very confusing... There's a lot of ifs. and It's, it's very hard to explain. It's very hard to explain. That's a genuine risk, right? Because in a way, it's still the same thing as the lower ELO plays, but a much more complex situation where risk becomes a, re- a very real thing. Right, because we're talking about a situation where we've considered a hundred variables, but because there's a hundred variables at play, it's an inherently risky play because there's so much room for error right. in those hundred variables, right. Yeah. right? But whereas a sim- a play that like a dive that a, a platinum player does, in our mind, that a risk isn't the right word because you either it either works or it doesn't work, and there's only maybe ten variables there. And we see that as either no risk or risk. I mean, sorry, a good play or a bad play. But they view it as this might be risky and I don't need to do this. But in reality, they sh- you're saying they just don't have the necessary information or they don't have the ability to... like they don't, have, they don't understand the variables. So they can't make that call either way. Yes. Right. It's interesting how you say that more variables, the worse. Like sometimes, let's say even for a dive... There could be like three variables, but if one of them collapses, it really goes bad. Like if I think about a dive with a champion with no CC, right? Mm. And it looks like like we have to execute perfectly. There's not many variables, but the but if, if one ability is missed, how does that work? I don't understand mm. the variable analogy mm. in that. Because early game dives, they can go bad just by one person missing one ability, and inherently that would be risky, wouldn't it? Right, that's another good point. Cause so and it com- depends on your rank. So the complexity of a dive can also be... It just depends on the kit and how the champs interact. The amount of outplay potential that person has. No, but in a way, that is variables in a way, right? Because each movement that person can do is like a variable, isn't it? Like, the, say the person you're diving, say you're trying to dive a Fiora, and you're doing it with like, you're playing Tom's and Zhao or some shit, right? Like... There's a lot of variables at play there in a way, right? Because even though Fiora only has three abilities, the amount of options she has with those three abilities is so. There's so many potential variations of how she can use the abilities. How can she? What ability she uses to parry, repository? What ability she uses to Q and dodge? There's a lot there going on, right? So, I view the Fiora W as one. That's one variable. Right. Yeah, no, but then you got to. Uh, we're getting very complex in the weeds here, but theoretically, it depends. Cause what I'm saying is that yeah, sure, that's one variable, but how that interacts with the other person's kid is another variable, right? So, 
So dep- you're, you're thinking about which dub, which ability she will W. Yeah, like we don't know what she's going to W. Is she going to W the time cure? Is she going to W your knock-up? Okay. Like we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But anyway, I, I think um, the... Ma- okay, to bring this back to more practical, <laughs> more yeah. um, real world, I, th- I, I think that in regards to clients, I still think... If something isn't a game losing play, you should kind of just do it. Like I generally say, if you're unsure, just do it. Like that's generally my rule of thumb. Like I think it's a safe rule of thumb to have. The caveats to that though are if it's a get, it's, if it's like a big risk, right? Like in the sense, like the risk being if you fail it, you lose the game. You lose Baron. You lose Baron or Earth or Soul Dragon yeah. or whatever it might be. If it's a significant, like the cost of failing is so large. Then you really have to understand that that's when the context of your climb comes into play. What's your mental state like at that time? Uh, are you in the learning journey or execution phase? For a learning phase or execution phase? Um, how important is this? When are you in a promos? That sort of thing. Even though this runs counter to our narrative, which wins don't count. But I feel like they're just real because I've seen players that are very fragile and they've come off the back of a massive slump and they started to regain some confidence. They've started to really get back into the fundamentals and stuff like that. I would urge that player that's trying to get their footing back again and re, you know, re get back into the climb and the learning journey to probably not take those risks as much. It's just nuance. This is a niche. It's just case by case basis, right? Like the, 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 the cost of failure for a player like that, they're not going to have the mental resilience to get into the review and look at the learning, are they? Unfortunately. And that's the, that person in that situation. Um, Here's a risky example. Okay. When you're playing, let's say if you're playing behind, let's say I'm doing something. Mm. I risk, like let's say I don't have all the information, right? Mm. I'm going to go for a side lane play and just hope the enemy jungler is not there. Because I'm behind, I know that that's right. When you're behind, you you're always going to take more More risky plays. Yes, and what we mean by that specifically is that you have less information. Yeah, there's a lot more ambiguity because you don't have the all the information in front of you. Yeah, I feel like we kind of opened Pandora's box here. I feel like there is so much. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in general though, if you do just just again stick to the fundamentals and stuff, risk. I think risk more comes to champ mastery more so like team fighting and stuff like mm. that diner example mm. diner going in there but in terms of the early game for that diner all the fundamentals what's a good gang what's a bad game i don't i, I actually kind of like thinking about that some no more I, I disagree that that is a risk okay uh, as in like i wouldn't use that as risky if that was my coaching client and like my diana mid i cursed him diana mid had a flank angle to get three of them I don't view it as risk. I view it as that's a missed opportunity. So the way I view it is like, okay, these are our options. You can go mid and fish for the one for three here or side lane. Ultimately, if you're unsure, I always say go for it. Like if you genuinely, okay, so the way I view it is this. If you genuinely believed that that play wouldn't work, great, go to the side lane, do your thing, right? If you genuinely believe you, uh, you're genuinely unsure, you didn't know, you didn't know if that could play could work or not, so you just defaulted to the side lane. I don't like that. I don't like that. I will say that's a missed opportunity, and we're never going to know if that would have worked or not because you didn't do it. That. That's what I say. Yep. I think I only, again, I only say risk when yep. it comes to like very ambiguous, 
highly complex situations, personally. Okay. So you're, again, more targeting towards highly low people, experienced people in the game. No. Again, this is for anyone in any player in a situation where it involves a Baron. Like, like um, anything to do with, like, ne- exposed nexuses and Barons. It doesn't matter okay. what the ELO bracket is. Let's if you're say, let's say, flat, let's say you're, it's 4v5 on a Baron. You have the five people, but you're against a Zerath or a Zig that's able to poke. Yep. It could get a bit risky, and the enemy jungle is still up, but you feel like you have the numbers advantage. Mm. Um, yeah, like I, that's where risk comes into play. You know, that's where I would say, okay, this is risky to coin for the Baron, and, yeah. you know, ultimately it depends. And again, is it necessary? Do you, could you just. I could just reset and then just get control of it again. Yeah, and get right, prop- right. Like use that death time for it to get yeah. control of the area. And that's where risk really comes into play. I feel like you can highlight a point using the, the word risk. It's true. I don't think it's just for high elo as well. I think, I think that's in every elo bracket. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think the, as coaches, we have to be very careful using the word risk because we don't want risk averse. In when you're in the learning journey, you don't want risk averse players. Yeah, they're hard to coach. They're hard to coach. Yeah. You, it, it's better for someone to be more reckless yeah. and then hone that, tone that down over time. Yeah, we. I would say you're a. You never. I don't think you were risk averse. I'm thinking back to your journey when you were in your prime. I wouldn't really. You were opposite. I would say you're. You really walked the tightrope at all stages, and you were willing to die to maximize your output in fights. Like I wouldn't say you yeah, were a risk averse player I at all. Like when you well. really learned yeah. the game, like my Udia back, like I yeah. was like walking the tight rope, yeah. with, like dodging skill shots, walking hard. You were never a risk averse nah. player when you learned the game. That's true. That's true. Like thinking about it, yeah. Wonder about you for Zerath mid and stuff. I was, I was you risk averse. I've always been risk averse, and that's actually why I struggled. <laughs> yeah. When I moved to Assassins. Yeah, because you have to... It was very risks. difficult for me to get out of my comfort yeah. zone and like limit test. Yeah. Limit testing was a foreign concept to me, actually. Yeah, know. actually, that's so interesting. That's that's right, isn't it? I've never actually played the game Risk Adverse. I throw, I throw games and lose the games all the time, which has led me to a Risk Adverse play style. You've got there in the end. I've got there in the end. But only after you've played very recklessly for a very long time. Yes. I think 95... Especially in the last year with my journey of level three junglers. I'm saying. hard thrown so many games. I think 95% of your journey specifically, you've been incredibly reckless. Not with... But with purpose, with intention. With with intention, yeah. It's always with intention. It's always with intention to to be a better... Maximizing your output. That's right. Essentially. Yeah, you're right. So I think that like... But but again, I think you, you... That wasn't all sunshine and rainbows and you could have done that better, right? I think we actually come from very... Fasc- really fascinating. We've come from very different sides. So let's say we have a like a line, right? And on this line, um, like we ideally want to get to the middle ground, which is like a, a balance, balance point of, where balance you can take of, opportunities like that. Yeah, you're willing to take opportunities when they present themselves and have the confidence to do so, but you're not blinded by your ego or whatever it is, and you're willing to say no to a play that you feel as though isn't necessary, right? Let's say that's 50. You're at 100, right? You went from 100 down to 50. I went from zero up to 50. I was too risk averse. You were too reckless. And then we met in the middle. 
Which is very interesting. It's very interesting. I'd never thought of it that no, way. I never thought of it that way, but I think that's because the case. I'm branded in solo queue as the player that, that doesn't take fights or anything like that. Which is right, interesting. Right. Yeah. Which is very interesting. <laughs> it's very yeah. interesting. But I think that's made up your your last like six months probably specifically. Yeah. Has been that the push it like it's pushed you over the edge to be more risk averse, I would say. But you only did that when you felt confident in your in your ability. Yes, that's right. Yep. Right. Yep. 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 So, um, for me, I think I I was probably not at not not enough. And and I think my learning, if I were to go back in time, I would have probably pushed my limits more, and be more willing to fail. You going back over, I'm assuming you would have taken less risk, probably because you lost a lot of confidence. I would say a large part of your lead journey because you were too reckless and then it all kind of mix mashes together, right? Like every game just blends in together and you don't, you don't, you don't even know what your limits are. I can't even tell what, what if I'm in research versus my moments, I'll go one extreme and then the other. And the ideal, like I said, to summarize is very neatly tied up with the ribbon. I, I, I genuinely think that the best way to improve in league is purposefully Knowing when and you aren't taking, when you are and are not taking risks, right? So let's say, let, let's let's throw the entire argument out the window that someone can't identify risk, right? Let's just screw that. Who gives a shit if they can or can't, right? It doesn't yep, even matter. I agree, yeah. Let's say there's the average platinum player. He believes in this moment this is risky. Whether or not it is or isn't, who gives a shit? If he believes it's risky, it's he should... He has to make a choice in that moment whether or not he's willing to accept the consequences of failing that play. If he's in a good mental state, he's willing to learn, he's ready to learn, do it every single time. If he's not in a good mental state, he's not ready to learn quite yet, he's maybe in the execution phase, then maybe not. Don't take the risk. But if unsure, if if you're on the middle ground, if you're unsure... Take the risk. Take make the play with intention. Review it after. Pain plus reflection equals progress. Right, Ray Dalio special. So you've got to get those painful experiences. And in. so your Diana client, I would have unless he had a very good reason to not make that play. Sure, he might win that game, right, because of what he did. But I don't think that's going to make him a better Diana player. Agreed. Ultimately, what he values more—that's not up to us, by the way. That's a that's a call on him. What does he want more out of this game? Does he want the LP? Does he want the learning, long-term learning? One's long-term, one's short-term. Tying it back to a real-life example. Do we want the, sh- the quick money? Maybe we need the quick money because we're in, a, we're in financial... We're in a, we need to pay our bills. Or can we forego that? Bank that money. What are you talking about? Got us taking a risk from a loan shark, taking some right. money. Am I? Is this guy going to come kill me if I don't pay back? Versus, I'm just going to keep working and not take that. I'm, I'm just saying from that. that that's a, another real life example, right? Like we could keep the money in an account, m- making interest, and take it out later. Okay. But we might need the money right now yeah. for whatever reason. Same thing with LP. Yeah. Investing in known long term gain stocks versus the risky new cryptocurrency or something. Right. Like BitConnect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on um so the other one nathan i had was um what was it drafting something oh like yeah that. drafting i saw this fascinating reddit post 
Um, it was like, and we know, like, Reddit loves draft. And they everyone loves draft love in it. League. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's the sexiest... It's, it's, like the, it's the shiny new Mustang type Because thing, anyone you know? can theoretically just pick a, a different champion and they've solved, they've cracked the code, right? Right, and, and, and you know, like, just a side note here. Whenever I hear about, like, I, I had this in my Discord. So said, people said, let's go into drafts and see who can outdraft each other. Oh, God. In, like, the, the pro drafts, right? Oh. And whenever I, whenever I see that, like, in coaches talk on, like, social media, say, let's do it, let's meet up and we'll do a draft war and, like, see who can outdraft each other. I just cringe because it's like, who's to say that draft is better? It depends on the players. You're assuming in like a perfect world that yeah, every player yeah, the, the, has the, no tendencies. The, the way that they are the frame going into it. And like, I can sort of understand mm. it. Like it's, it's what happens if everyone played this perfectly. Right? That, that's never, but ever, I, ever I the situation. I don't view the game that way. We never view the game that way. Yeah. It's always to do with mastery. Yeah. Like, again, I would rather... Okay, let's say, let's say there's a 45-55 there's a draft. Whatever the fuck that means, right? One People say this draft is more favoured slightly to the other. But if I'm the one that's slightly unfavoured, they got their one trick, right? Or they got their, their champ that that person's really comfortable on. I would take that any day of the week. Say it's playing, we got like Oriana, say we got like Oriana, say Victor v Syndra. But the Syndra isn't that, isn't as competent as Syndra. And the Victor's really good at Victor. Who gives a shit about if Syndra can win that on or not? The Victor's going to win, period. Mm. It's not about the matchup. So are you, so are you talking about the highest, and if we're going to watch SK, like T1 versus, you know, G2 and at MSI coming up? Or are you talking about? I was just more talking the to solo queue game, right? I was just saying no. I was saying like just regardless of competitive draft, like okay. people like to do like competitive so, clash but, drafts. And but shit. again, so we're talking like amateurs, amateur. I'm, I'm not. I didn't. Re- I'm not referring to anything in particular. But I'm you've got saying, to. I think there is a difference. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But okay. I, I was saying for the example specifically that I was referring to yep, was, is uh, where is it? Amateur I mean, everywhere. You said everywhere. Amateur, pro, collegiate, clash, everywhere. Coaches from every rank and every division love doing this. Okay. That's what I've seen. That's what I see. Okay. Um, yep. But anyway, so my point being, everyone loves draft, right? Yes. Everyone loves draft. Yes. Sexy. It's the easiest thing to talk about and change in a game, isn't it? We just pick a different champion. Don't pick well, a where people have champion pool issues and stuff. They're like, uh, for example, I always hear the Nathan, I don't have an AP champ in my pool. You know, because they're getting in that draft mindset. Let's 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 leave let's leave the whole champ pool stuff to the side for now. Okay. All right? Let's let's just leave that. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah. The Reddit post was essentially these are the top five comps that are currently seen in competitive play. Okay. There was something like there was like a bunch of five comps that basically copy yeah. pasted from LCS games, right? Yeah. And it said, let's do a fun activity where you guys from Reddit can can draft and list out your perfect counterpick comp to the draft, the, the meta drafts, right? Okay. And so you get all types of people coming in, writing their theories. They write like their champ, like their champs, their counter to that comp and like the theory behind it, right? Okay. And it got me thinking. Um, it got me, <laughs> it got me, th- it, it made me laugh a bit because draft is an incredibly complex interact like the interaction between champions is so complex isn't it like let alone like we're talking mid jungle 
two, just two, like four champions together, or even actually not even talk, just the interactions on your team, like how two champs on your own team interact, how that interacts with another two champs in mid lane, that alone, not even taking into account bot lane, top lane, top jungle interactions, all of that aside is overwhelming sometimes. Like when we get into a review, sometimes it's like, oh my God, the way even if I play a lot of my champion and how my champion interacts within a champion yeah. in a game, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Who is an average player or an average coach out there able to know all the detailed intricacies of way compositions work, matchups, counterpicks? How do they know that without really knowing what it would feel like to play any of these champions? Okay. It's my point I'm trying to make. Okay. It's like, Cause I, I, cause I, I, it I was lost, like, but now I'm getting it. It feels so. very fairyland that, okay. said that anyone could remotely have a viable opinion yes. on what to say about draft if they don't play or, like a lot of those champions or have interacted with those champions at a high level on a regular basis. Because let's say an average gold coach okay. has never played yeah. with a very good kindred before. Yeah. How the hell are they going to know how kindred interacts in general in a game with champions? Because they, they've never seen it. Even if you watch it on a stream, it's very different to play than when you're playing it is what my point is. So let's just, what are your thoughts? I mean, what are you confused about? Tell I'm so you're confused. Like, so, so your point is, is that people loved draft they, they love they, draft. they think they understand draft yes they think they understand but draft. they have no merit they've Zero never merit. played high elo they've never coached in pro no Okay, got it. So now the thing, so and it's, then it's they're basically about having drafts. an opinion on something that you can have zero opinion about. Is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, you you always you love the merit meritocracy. And and and, and 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 I think yeah, it's so dangerous. It, it's super simple. Like it's like anything outside of pro play, right? And let's say an academy, so second tier leagues, dra- like never ever talk about draft ever. I never want to hear it. It's about execution mechanic stuff. Do, I mean, you could talk about it, but it's like should be five percent of what you're talking about. That's as simple as it is. But right? I'm but I'm even talking about from like a casual viewer perspective. How having an opinion is even like embarrassing. Oh, it's embarrassing. Like so like okay. okay, the way I view it is this. It's a traditional sport. Yeah. And people like hate on Tom Brady. So there's a play, right? Yeah. And Tom Brady does his play. Mm-hmm. And then like everyone like shouts at Tom the coach, say, Why would you make this play? Like, why would you why would you call this play? Or why would Tom Brady not throw it there or whatever? It's like we know fucking nothing that goes on in behind the scenes and what they're thinking and how they're thinking and like how the dynamic is on the field and how those players emotionally are feeling. Like we know nothing really like it's better to just shut up and let the experts talk. Like unless they, and like, like an actual athlete who's like been a coach or played at a high level to really talk about it. No one else, everyone else who talks about that, basically it's, it's a non-opinion, right? It's like, it's like, it's just noise essentially. But the the differences in league is that every like most people have an opinion. Okay, on Okay, so you're saying you're angry that everyone <laughs> yeah, has an opinion. On everyone draft. has an opinion about draft, yeah. and and like you hear like re- people say all the time, why are they pe- why are people in NA playing Renekton like all that shit. You know, you hear it all the time. Yeah, but that's just stuff echoed from. Yeah, it's just echoed. But it's like it's like they that, believe it though. They yeah, genuinely believe that this is stuff. from experts though. Yeah, but. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. You can kind of see that because like, it's echoed from LS experts. is like quote experts and stuff like have their opinions on yeah. it. And that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But like this Reddit post was like was a people random coming one, up that with their own random ideas, ideas. Okay. and like sure, it's a fun experiment and people can you know yeah. ha- it's like you know 
bring your kid to a playground and everyone has fun type thing. But it's like, it's scary how serious they take oh, it and, okay. and to the lengths of their explanations they will go. Got it. Interesting. So it's like this guy was saying, okay, we've got to pick Trundle Velkos here, or like Trundle Jungle into this. And then that will counter their entire comp. Um, how Trundle interact with not like he has like this entire thesis and you know it's cool he's having a crack right but it's like people up, up you know because he sounds right people like upvote this shit and like people, oh that's genius so smart but like I'm, I was looking at it and there was delusional it was like okay you want to play Trundle into like a Zaya Ari Nah comp Zaya Khan Ari Nah how is Trundle going to do anything even if, great, it's good into Volibear Jungle, thumbs up. But how is it going to do anything into these other champions? Mm. But that person's not going to know how it plays to field Trundle. Like, you play Trundle, right? Like, you could have an opinion on specifically Trundle in this game. So in order to have a very good analysis of a draft, what you would actually have to do is have five players who play those champions and or, or, or role coaches, and then they might be able to give you their perspective on how this champion operates in this game and then all those people could come together and that they could have like a really good high quality discussion because they've played those champions at a high level they've watched a lot of scrims at a high level to see how that champion interacts or maybe they studied that champion a lot and then they could give you the positives and negatives it's cool right that would make sense to me but it's like all this stuff is coming from fairyland what experiences and and i think this is dangerous like the narrative that like there's a comp counter it like find some i find some champs that like counter it it's like how do you know that sure you you might look at the trundle versus volley and that might be a thumbs up but then how is trundle going to interact with all the other champs in the game and i think people get so caught up in this champ is good into this but they again they're thinking of like that team fight at 25 minutes they're not thinking about how it feels the lane phase how does it feel to play trundle into those champions up until that point So there's a huge detachment between reality and like what they what they think. And this is only bridged by playing it yourself or watching scrims for a, a very, very, very long time. Give, let's give a perfect example, right? Let's say, um, right, there's, you know, a, a unique counterpick. Let's say it might be... Um, Let's pull one out of that. Nocturne jungle, right? It's like Nocturne is so good in this game, right? And say it's like Nocturne into like... A very, say you have like um, a common one is like multi-threat into like Jace. So you have like, say like a, uh, like a you know, um, Nocturne, Camille, all this stuff into like a Jace, right? And let's say the other enemy team, they all end on early game. They went like Jace and they went like Nidalee or, or like Elise, Jace Elise with like um, TF mid or like a some pressure mid laner or something like that, right? In theory, sure, if they could get to the point where um, Nocturne could ult top and he has room to ult top and he's not like getting invaded on by like the mid, the mid laner in the jungle, like if that could happen, sure, thumbs up, that like makes sense. But like until you understand what goes on to get Nocturne to that point, it's very difficult for you to just pull that draft out of your ass because... You, you're, you're completely disregarding all of the other factors up until that one point where you can press R, Camille presses R, and then the Jace dies. It's not that simple. It's not as simple as Nocturne getting in position. How do you know he's in jungle his entire warded? What happens if they invade level one, split the map? What happens if the mid laner perma has prior and they invade your second red buff and you have to split the map later on in the game? What happens when the, the Jace, um, you know, they stack away and dive the Camille before you even... 
got to that level six. That can ha- these Earth, all things that can happen. You got to know the dangers of this, but you're only going to know that if you play it. And then now, if you played Nocturne in that situation, you'd be like, okay, I need my mid laner to have prio because my mid, if my mid doesn't have prio, he won't be able to defend me on my in the invade. We need a strong early game mid laner. Boom, that's a great finding. But that's that's something that only comes through experience, isn't it? That's my point. My point is that there's a massive gap between reality and ideas. A huge gap. And there's not enough being done in between. People don't lack ideas. People lack execution. People lack an understanding. I like that quite a lot. Yep. Of how to actually execute things. Yeah. Like anyone can come up with an idea mm. of, how, of how something might work. The doing of it is very, very difficult. <laughs> I mean, that's the typical what you see in the venture capital business idea world, right? Um, you, you know, everyone has good ideas. Everyone it sounds good. But then the market just sexy. completely just shits on it, right? Like the, the reality, like the market. Or it sounds out. really good in theory and then you they get into the logistics of it and it's just not a good business yeah. or something yet. Yeah. yeah. And that's my rant. That's my that's my point. And and I'm and I'm sick. Rant, you know, and I'm sick of seeing like the the things about counterpicks and stuff and drafts. It's like, okay, have you played any of these champions that you're talking about here at a high level? Yeah. Do you have any idea what it takes to like make this happen? So this is just the, this Reddit post that triggered, or you see it in your community? Yeah, but no. I mean, I mean, I don't really see it in my community because because that's what I think. I think the great job. Something I'm proud of is we don't really talk about yeah. draft at all in in my end draft. Well, we're not really in two. the competitive scene as well, right? Yeah, so. that's a competitive thing. That's as simple as it is. Mm. It's a competitive thing. If you want to get better at solo queue, draft should be two, three percent of what you're thinking about. Right. Uh, that's that's great with our communities. I think that they get mm. that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're just going on some crazy rant because you saw a Reddit post. Yeah, no, but because but, but, it was, I was surprised at the amount of responses. Okay. Like th- thousands of comments. Yeah, I think there was like okay. 2,000 comments or something. Oh, shit. wow. So it was huge. It was, it was a massive Reddit post. And okay. I was like, oh, whatever this is it was. The, this is the, the community you're saying. This is the general Yeah, this was like okay. the general community. I'm yeah. like, this is concerning. It's yeah. like, yeah, sure. It's a fun exercise, but it's like everyone, they, they weren't just short little responses. Like it was like a lot of effort going into the yeah. post, you know, yeah. and people have discussions on this shit. It's like so many words, like all these words and not a single example type thing. You know, it's just like. And that's exactly why folks will always have a small audience because Curtis just absolutely shits on the general population. No, it's we need to educate. Educate, yeah. We need to educate. It's like, it's, yeah. Don't waste your time writing paragraphs. Yeah, writing uh, paragraphs upon paragraphs about how it's it's literally a waste of time. Yeah. No, again, maybe if they have fun doing it, sure. Yeah, that's that, and that's where I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe, 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 I don't know. Where I guess, it. yeah, I I think we also need, we also need to distinguish, you know, our audience, we want to improve at solo queue. Mm. Like, I, I'm sure those people don't actually think, they actually don't realize that that actually doesn't help them at solo queue. I think right. they think that right. helps them knowledge of the game. Mm. I think, again, it's just a different subsection of the community that we don't, we don't talk to. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. All right, do you want to jump in the mailbag? Do you have any topic? You're all good. Let's just jump in the mailbag. All right. We got lots of stuff. Away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. All right, first question for mailbag comes from Calvin. Title of this email is self-discipline and scheduling. Two core themes of the Broken by Concept podcast, guys. We love those words here. Hi Curtis and Nathan, recently I haven't been playing League nearly as much as I used to. 
The main reason is because I can't focus while doing homework and I often end up having to grind out assignments before the deadline instead of playing blocks at my usual time. I know why this is happening, but I can't seem to stop myself. I always waste time that's supposed to be for homework, just watching useless shit on YouTube or I grab a snack then come back and soon the hour pass and nothing is done. Yesterday, I just laid in bed and uh, laid in bed pissed at myself because summer 2021 to winter 2021, I was pretty disciplined. As a result, climbed from bronze one to silver one in my first season. Now I'm just playing super bad intensity games in mid silver two and I don't think I've done a full three block in a month or more. You guys have taught the importance of scheduling over and over. I've dug myself a dangerously deep hole since it's my only my second semester in college. So I guess my question is, how do you guys do it? How do I even get back on track to finish the semester strong and get back to climbing? It's a great question. That is a good question. Good question. Do you want to start or you want me to start? You start. I'm big on... Um, I love talking about transition periods of the day. So... Okay, so as you are probably aware, Calvin, most of the time in the day just disappears doing exactly what you're doing. And and we're all guilty of it, you know, whether you're mindlessly scrolling through Reddit, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it might be, hours just vanish. They just vanish because it adds up. It's like 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, five minutes here. By the end of the day you've wasted two hours, right? And that's a three block, which is done. And so they, I call them, and I, there's this parts of the day where I call transition periods. So let's say, Calvin, um, you come home from, from college or whatever. He's in college, right? Yeah, second semester. So let's say you, you, you live in a dorm or something, I'm assuming. So he, he goes to class, you go to class, say the class ends at like two and takes him... If you walk straight from class back to your dorm room and at like that period of time, if you walk straight there, it takes 20 minutes. So boom, two to 2.20. There's a period, right, where you're like between activities. So there's a, there's the walk phase. And then there's like, there's like the period between sitting down and doing something versus actually like just doing nothing, just relaxing or, or, or whatever you... It's just actually not even relaxing. I call it just wasted time. So so basically, the way I try to structure things whenever possible, when I'm, in my, when I'm really killing it, is when I have time to actually relax and, I'm, and, I, and I try to minimize these transition phases. So I'm either going home to relax for 15 minutes and genuinely do nothing where I'm going to chill my bed, whatever, watch, watch an episode or something, and that's chill time. That's actual chill time. And then boom, straight into whatever it is I need to do. Or I'm going straight into it and then relax later. What you don't want to do is you want you don't want to get home, sit on your desk, then bring out your phone when you should be studying, waste 10 minutes there, start studying, pick up your phone another 20 minutes later, chuck it, waste another 5, 10 minutes. Those five to 10 minutes, they're not even relaxing. You're not actually relaxing. What you're doing is you're actually still stressed because you're thinking about your study. You're not actually unwinding. You're not doing either. You're not studying and you're not unwinding. And so the transition period between the activities is where you really need to be decisive. So um, I'll give you an example for me in my day. So my morning schedule on a day that I go to the gym is very jam-packed. It's like to them, it's like, 
I need to be like really on point. If I waste time, I won't have time to go to the gym, right? So for me, um, so I, I wake up, do my, my morning schedule, I do my first coaching session of the day. That finishes at 7 a.m. Straight after that, if I waste time, if even if I waste 10 minutes doing like maybe I check Twitter, whatever it might be, that 10 minutes can bite me in the ass. If I procrastinate making breakfast and then procrastinate like doing that whole eating my breakfast and then getting my shit sorted and going back onto the computer to upload my VODs and reply to a clip channel and, and check my emails. If I procrastinate in there that extra 10, 15 minutes, sometimes then I won't have enough time to like do what I need to do after I come back from the gym. So like I need to be really on point of every minute of that morning. And I've no, and I no, now know this through painful experiences of not having enough time to do what I want to do. Of like, okay, I got to get my shit together. I can't afford to waste time. I got to already boom, get off the computer, make my breakfast, come back, reply to DMs. Like I can fit all this in if I don't waste a minute. It's all about cutting the transition periods out though. So there's no like that 15 minute waste. It's just like this no. activity into next activity, next activity. And it's very when easy When I have my best days, have... that's what I do. Yeah. And so that's the number one advice I'd give. And, and, and like, you don't you have build to- build momentum, don't you? It's momentum. Yeah, it yeah. is momentum. And you feel good doing it. You feel good. Like, like, and you actually realize when you do that on one day, I'll try it for a day, cut out all the transition shit. See the- you're doing it or you're not doing it. Like you're relaxing, genuinely relaxing, or you're not at all. You'll get to the end of the day. And like, wow, I have an extra hour out of nowhere. And I have so much time. That's my biggest advice, man. Do you have, do you have any so advice? That's, that's about scheduling, right? More so. Um, so his final question was, I'm just reading it again. How do I get back on track to finish the semester strong and get back to climbing? So it sounds like it's sort of like... Um, so the thing he looks like he's pissed off about himself is that he used to be disciplined and stuff and then he's dropped the ball. That would be a thing of bigger picture stuff for me, thinking like, why are you doing Goals. what you're doing? Do you even want to do yoga degree? Um, all that sort of stuff. Um, how important is solo queue to you? Yeah. Like, what do you want to get done in your solo queue? It sounds like he does want to play solo queue. That's, that's the point of the thing, right? He wants to get back to climbing, you know? So, uh, yeah, well, just simply just think about, you know, get excited about well, it. Well, I think it's also, you got to know your league performance is connected to everything else in your day, your physical health, your mental health, everything. Like you won't perform well in solo queue period. If you're not physically and mentally in the right place. Yep. Yeah. And the best thing to do, I mean, you can experience, I never studied properly, get the work done yeah. and then play every time. That's as simple as it is, right? Go home, do your study and then play guilt-free League of Legends. That's it. That's that's, the, that's what you've got to get to. That's the goal. And then you need to transition period, uh, get the transition, transition period. So but, then but you can get those studies. Do it once to feel it. Because the feeling of doing it, like having a prepared week, do a week where like, you're actually just killing it, dude. You, just want to, you go above and beyond to, to get everything done. When you have a free day, when you have a free evening and there's zero guilt there, that's the best feeling ever, man. When I was at uni, that was the best feeling ever. I got those assignments done. And I go home, it's game time. Nothing's going to interrupt me here. Yep. That's you, the best. You were a, a top OPL player back in those days, Curtis. So you made it work. Yeah. It, it, it's all doing just doing... Course. I did all my stuff at school and then come back and then that's it. Yeah. If I studied properly, I would... Uh, 
I would be definitely be writing in with Calvin's question for sure. <laughs> and then I would need to just do the work first because I would 100% be like, leave it off until the night. Play my get home, super excited, thinking about legal day, play my three block. Yeah, it takes a shit ton of discipline to do it's that. It's a lot of discipline. For, for you. It's yeah. a lot of discipline. Curtis is pretty, it's pretty impressive that Curtis is able to manage that. Uh, all right, next question here is from Thomas. The title of this email is LP Emotional Regulation. Another key word we use in the mm, podcast, Curtis. Mm. We've got a lot of messages, you know. We do. Messages are sticking with people, aren't they, Curtis? It's good. The terminology, the BBC terminology. Mm. Hi, Curtis and Nathan. My name's Tom, 16 years old, and I love your mindful perspective on things and overall how you view league. I've decided to join MLA in April 2021 with intention to climb ranks, but I realize that there is much more to that. Currently, I'm sitting D3 to D1, and it's F in my mind being D4, D3 one week and D1 another. Right now, I have miserable experience in league. My process depends on wins and losses. If I'm winning, process is going. And if I start losing, it goes to shit. First game of the day is crucial. If it's a loss, I drop my intensity. And before I know, I queue up again without learning objectives with intention to win the game. Gain, lost LP. We all know how dangerous it is. I'm ashamed of how many days I've actually wasted like this. Tricky thing is, is that I know it's a problem, but I don't know how to fix it. It's easy to talk about this with calm mind and solution. Mm. Seems simple, but in reality, I feel like I lost control of myself and emotions are distracting, are dictating my actions. I believe the longer I'm here, the worse it is, and it's supporting fixed mindset that I cannot change. How can I stop putting emphasis in LP? How can I separate myself from rank? How can I manage expectations by getting coached by the best mid-coach for so long and still being stuck at a specific rank? Doesn't it say that I'm horrible? Is this Tom? This is Tom, yeah. Oh, I was, uh, yes, Tom. I know Tom. Okay. Yeah, I told Tom to write in. This is a, is a big problem. Okay. Um, I think where we need to start here, Nathan, is you need to, you need to accept where you're at. Like this is Absolutely. the real, this is baseline, like number, step number one. I didn't get this when I came back. Remember, I didn't accept my current level of skill. I was so fucking Nathan delusional. knows more about this than anyone. <laughs> I was so delusional at where I was uh, in relation to like, cause I thought I just had all the game knowledge of it. Just the, the, the answers on the rift. If you open up my OPGG, when I was like my, my late client, you opened up one of my games. If I reviewed that game, that makes perfect sense. Why that person is into diamond three diamond two. The great relieving thing about that is that if that's what that player looks like, then we're going to be able to see common trends with a challenger player. What great league of legends looks like. Then all you're doing is working to get to that level. And you need to really, really encapsulate Print this out, type it up, get it tattooed. Your decision-making in-game, every decision you make equals your rank over time. That's as simple as if you really embody that mindset, LP nothing, it just doesn't all matter. It just doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, and I keep saying the same because Tom, this is Tom, I think Tom's problem is this. He's He's been like, he, he got to Diamond, right? He's been out of Diamond for a while. I think it's a a combination of many things. Number one, he doesn't understand how difficult it is to climb to Master Tier for the first time. Yes, that's toxic expectations. Toxic expectations. He thinks he's just going to get there. He's getting coached. Great. I've like he hears it, but he doesn't really internalize it. Like he goes in one ear and out the other. He's like, yeah, yeah, Curtis, I get it. It's hard. Whatever. The second thing. Well, that's, he, like, that's the third thing. So what I've just said, he obviously yep. doesn't get that mindset. Yeah, he doesn't get that mindset. The second thing is he has toxic expectations. Yep. Keep yep. going. And, and yeah, he, he, his ego won't let him accept that he's like a D3 player. 
And in his mind, he fluctuates, right? He goes from D1 back down to D4, which says many, many things. In my opinion, it could be many things. Okay, let's break down the reason why there could be fluctuations. One big one is that you you have, you know, we're talking about the the uh, the graph, the, the bell curve, um, whatever it might be. I, I think I got roasted in one of my... Um, in one of the BBC channel about how it's it only a bell curve when it's symmetrical. I don't know. I think it's called a skewed graph or something. I mean, don't I me. school, dude, I can't I remember know. that stuff. But anyway, <laughs> we you've got too much fluctuation in your level of play, right? So let's say it is a bell curve or whatever. You know, you're on the left-hand side of the bell curve. That goes down too far to the left. It goes all the way to like, you know, in terms of overall level of play, maybe P2 and then but the high highs are at master or GM, right? You've got this massive fluctuation in your play, which could be a sign of um, lack of fundamentals, maybe um, not consistent fundamentals. Uh, it could be the way you play the game. You're just a very risk oriented. Like you just take, you just say yes to everything. You don't say no to plays. Um, you, you know, it could also be that um, you you maybe compensate for certain areas of your play with really being really good in other areas. Like maybe you're very good mechanically, but then not good understanding the game state. Like whatever it might be. Like there's there's ways to get around it, but you're you're fluctuating a lot. Um, so that's a sign that there's problems. There's there's core problems that we need to address, right? And that and the most important thing, and that's okay. That's I keep saying this. If that wasn't okay, if if, if someone was in diamond through fluctuating and stuff, and their gameplay was perfect, that's a problem. What the fuck? That's a problem. Then leagues of fundamental that'll be a broken a, game. It'll be a shit game, actually. It's a shit game. Yeah. yeah. So you're there for a reason, but he knows that, right? Yeah. He knows that, but he can't accept that. Yep. He can't accept that he is that player. Yep. Accept it, dude. There is no Accepted. other way around it. Yeah. You. Cool. It's so relieving when you accept it, dude. Yeah, I felt amazing. It's like dude. it's like okay, like, man. Yes. Um, sorry to hear that you've been in diamond for so long. <laughs> you want a hug? Yeah. You want Nathan to come? You know, shake your hand or something. It is what it is, man. You may, maybe you're not the most talented gamer in the world. Maybe you are disadvantaged. Well, there's a lot less talented players out there. There's a lot more disadvantaged players out there. It's all relative. You're think you're comparing yourself to the best players in the world. I get that. Diamond is still at a very, very good achievement. And we get, we're not stopping there. But going from D1 to master or D2 to master or D3 to master, whatever, it's hard. It's very difficult. Top of the player base. The top of the player base. 0.001%, whatever it is. Millions of people play the game. So you are already at the top echelon. You're very close. So, okay, you're not where you want to be. It's taking longer than you expected. Okay, what do you want to hear? You want to hear that poor you? I'm sorry to hear that. Not really. You know, like, I mean, people are there for years. If you get there, if you get from D4 to master in one year, that's still, that's still great. Even a whole year. Right? So I think you need to cut yourself some slack. I spoke about league journey all the time. You have a very, we, we know, I know that you struggle with emotional, he struggles with emotional regulation. What I think is genuinely happening, the core fundamental problem, he struggles to overcome things that are difficult. In his life, when things have gotten hard, pack it in. Pack it in. So he's got to, he might get to D1, high D2. 
shit starts to get hard, starts to get to his plateau point. He's embarrassed of his rank. He can't fathom that he's not a master tier player for whatever reason. Because he's been in diamond for six months, whatever it might be. Then makes a few misplays, gets outplayed because he's at his plateau point, rather than accepting that's where he's at, loses confidence, drops back down, and then continues the cycle. When what we need to do, Tom, you get to D2, D1. Let's just give yourself a pat on the back. Congratulations. Well done. Now let's see you lose a bunch of games because you've plateaued. Let's figure out why you're losing these games. And then let's get into the details. The, 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 there is no cookie cutter. Yeah, Nathan's t-shirt. There is no, there is no Krabby Patty secret formula. Right? It's the details. It's the getting into the details. details. And the ultimate cure. The the sooner you go through Nathan's revelation where you accept that you're not the player you think you are, you're not as talented as you think you are, you're not as special as you think you are. The climb isn't as easy as you think it is. It becomes so fun, dude. It, the game becomes more oh, fun. I love it, dude. You get to grow out a beard and everything, like Nathan. Come old and wise. And then and magically when you when you accept that you don't have something, that's when it actually comes to you. Because it will come with time. So, Tom, I have 110% belief. We believe that you can get there. I believe, there. Tommy. Let's do it. Right? You're going to get let's there it, if you follow the, you know, the three blocks. You're getting into the reviews. You put your ego aside. You accept that you are that Diamond 3, Diamond 2 player. That's where you're at. Then you will make it. But really accept it. Like you got to really accept that. And that's hard. Embrace it is the Embrace word. Embrace it. it. And then they get excited. I'm at the base of the mountain. Here we go. I'm going to climb up. Here's my right, journey. You're at the base of Mount Everest. You're at, the, you're at base camp. All right. He has here. Last question is, how can I feel good at playing league when my family thinks I'm wasting time? I'm addicted that I'll end up in the hospital four years from now. Listening to it basically every day sucks. What should I do? Write down why you play the game, why you think it's good for you, why you want to do it in your life. You could just come down to it. So you're actually an addict and that's maybe a thing you, you that would be bad. Ideally, have the conversation with your parents I would say most of the time the conversation wouldn't go back because I think, why is my 16-year-old son telling me video games are good? You know, they're stuck in their ways, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then um, just keep reading that piece of paper, you know? Just be like, this is why I play the game, bam. And then you have to understand from your parents' perspective why they think that way. They don't, they wouldn't understand or, or you know, that they're in a different world. They wouldn't know that That's right. League was a game that you can better yourself through. I, I mean, it definitely would suck if you, you know, kept hearing it every day, but I feel like, you know, a good parent that, you know, that wants their kids to do things they enjoy. If you said to them, this is why I play the game and stuff, maybe they could understand it. Mm. Have a crack. That's a tough conversation to have. You'll probably be very uncomfortable doing that. Get used to having tough conversations. That's part of being an adult. And uh, yeah, then just keep trucking. My parents hated me playing video games. I just kept on trucking, dude. <laughs> well, once I'm in League of Legends, I'm not but thinking about do that. Do you have any other advice for Tom there? No, no. The, the What I said at the beginning, if you can't get that mindset across, you always focus on LP. End of story. Other than that, the rest of that, you nailed it. And you, so you realize that there are dis, there's some fundamental difference in decision making here. Yeah. And I'm determined to figure out what it is. Yeah. And the, at the time, I did actually know what it is. I just had to get the execution in and, and break down a lot of mental blocks and narratives that I had. Talk about your journey. You were in Diamond for... A whole year, two, two, two years. Two years, yeah. Nathan was in Denver for two years, yeah. Tom. 
from being an ex-challenger, rank two ex- player. Rank two <laughs> in season three. I was so fucking deluded. Think about that. Yeah. An ex-rank two player sucking down for two years, Tom. Cut yourself some slack, man. Yeah. All right. Next question here is from Paul. Three Gan- Camp Gankin. Flashy Sash Slashy. Uh, hi, Nathan and Curtis. I've enjoyed your content for a long time, but this year I've uh, been applying your advice such as three blocking, reviewing, having a learning objective and working on fundamentals. Recently at Diamond 2 for the first time, uh, I hit Diamond was in Season 5. I had a question for Nathan as a Rek'Sai player. That is me. I notice he is very cool with three camping to gank if that side is volatile. As a Shivana player, I've noticed that if I track that the enemy started on the same side as me, and I help my 2% HP bot get a double kill as I hit three. I will just get three quadranted. As a farming jungler, it is, is it crazy to have a guideline of only help after three camps if we aren't matching? Because that one of two quadrants will be left up. This would really help my current learn objective of not compensating. This is obviously a jungle question, Curtis. Um... Yes, so even with Rek'Sai, I'm very comfortable to do a full clear if there's no high percentage gank. So three camp ganking as a jungler is really shit if it's not high percentage because if you're versus a farming jungler, you instantly get behind. It's not even that worth it. So I will only ever three camp gank if it's a very clear win condition in my game. And, you know, they're at least heavy trading a little bit. If I will never ever gank a lane three camp if it's... Neutral wave, full HP tigers with all sums. That's just a just you just got to clear your camps. I feel like that's opposite to what I experience. Really, I feel like those three camp ganks mid they they cross map. They do three camp like blue grunt wolves, blue wolves grunt whatever, and then loop through mid back to the other side. Is the it's high impact? It, it screws my. It, I've lost so many games off that. Just okay, off that one game. All right. Well, I wasn't thinking about mid, which is something we've talked about before. Well, because I when I yeah, think of three camp, th- that's what I think. Three, of, more through mid because it's so yeah. efficient. You're doing three camp. Three camp in mid is better. Three camp in sidelines is dangerous. Yeah, yeah. You're like okay, to okay, a okay. So, so red raptors gromp is is a riskier path mm, than red gromp raptors. Then. Um, no, 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 Red Krug's Raptors. Red, because, yeah, sorry, Red Because Krug, you've Red cleared Krug's a beautiful Raptors. quadrant, right? Red, Red Krug's Raptors gives you so many options. And so much experience. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, there, there's a difference. Yeah, so my, my Rek'Sai ganks, my Red Raptors Gromp gank, I have to have a high percentage gank. But yeah, Wait, wait, wait what? Because three camp, what are you talking about? Is he talking about, when I think of three camp, is he is Yeah, he what ta- three camp is he talking what, about? What, Let me talking Are you talking about like instant getting three, like Red, uh, Blue Gromp Red? Or is he talking like... Wolves blue like blue blue wolves gromp gank aside or cross map through mid. Yeah, there's definitely d- different versions of three camp. Because when I when I thought three camp gank, I automatically assumed that three camp is like. Yeah, y- y- that's not what I first thought. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because I'm viewing it from a Rexai lens. Rexai yeah, still does, does that. that. I swear, I get ganked by Rexai all the time doing that on that's their true. blue side. They do yeah. red Krugs Raptors. Yeah, and then cross map through yep. mid. I yep. get that gank all the time. Okay. Like I expect that every game. Okay. That's like the gank I, path I expect. Yeah, you're a good mid laner, Curtis. <laughs> no, because I've died so many times. I refuse to die. So he says, as a Shivana player, I notice if I track the enemy jungler started on the same side as me. Well, as a Shivana, I mean, level three ganking mid, that's not going to work. I think what he's talking about is, so he's talking about if he's on the same side, so he's Shivana, Yeah. And the enemy's Rek'Sai. And then Rek'Sai, say, so he's, say Shivana's blue side, Rek'Sai's red side. 
and then Rek'Sai starts blue, and then Rek'Sai does blue, Gromp, red, gank top. And then he's, his bot side's open. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, and then he's saying that, like... Yeah, no, you don't help that. You just full clear. Get level four. It's too important, Shivana. As Shivana, the, the... So this is a simple Shivana. Like you, don't, he's like, you don't vertical. You don't clear his wolves. Is that what you're saying? What are you saying? Yeah. As you, the Shivana, you just full clear up. Yeah, like, well, your general path in for Shivana is path to a lane with priority and full clear. Yep. Simple as it has to be. That's yep. it. Yeah. And then, you know, if you help the lane with priority, then you're only there for a counter gank. Other than that... So, he's, so his fear is that he's going to get three camped as the Rek'Sai or three quadrant as the yeah, Shivana. Yeah, so I think he, he's scared that he's going to get... Three um, camped three quadrant as, as the Shivana. Like, Rek'Sai's going to go to his top side. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's it's like it sounds like he wants to do three camps and then help his bot line. That's heavy trade and stuff. Yeah, no, no, it's not. And again, we'd have to get specific points. It's just not clear enough. Again, the the way that yeah, the three camp is a very there's term. lots of yeah, there's lots of different things and it just depends on the way game state. But the lanes but it, are in there. Simple general advice is path the lane with priority. Look to get a full clear off because you're going to prevent getting. He needs to come to your first jungle clear. Yeah, he does. Or join Soul Two at least. Or join Soul Two. All right, I think that's it for mailbag today. Anything, anything to to note here, Curtis, for this episode today? Um, final final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I really want to get off my chest is that uh, one of the guys commented on my um. I I, t- I had a game where a day where I tilt queued. Yep. And I I streamed my tilt queue. Yep. Right. This is on your Discord down on MLA. My Discord. And it was funny because I had a conversation with them after mm. and they all thought it was like so f- like interesting because it's like you're someone obviously they think we're we're like invincible solo queue <laughs> like mentals yeah. like no. and seeing that was so refreshing it's like I love that I yeah. love that that you like it's refreshing to see that you struggle with the same things that we struggle with and 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 I wanted to share that it's like we don't we don't breeze through solo queue mentally. Like we don't. It's not like we don't have mental blocks or we don't struggle with certain things. Like we have moments where we tilt queue or we we don't stick to the three block or we mess up and we we don't do a good quality review or whatever it might be. We and this is stuff that we're in it with you together. Everything that we're teaching here is things that we are passionate about because it's worked for us and we care about LP and, and winning as well. Like we care about climbing the ladder. And these are tools, like the whole the whole point of playing for improvement is because that's the way to climb. It's not because that's, it's not because that sounds sexy. Well, it's like some like special little, <laughs> special it's a special movement. way to play League of Legends. It's because it's the only way, it's like only really way, reliably. Yeah. If you're not talented, right? Say we're not talented. That's it. It's the only way. So I want to caveat, like people forget, like sometimes it feels like we're pulling shit out of our ass, yep. but it's like, no, this is stuff that's real. Because we care a lot about solo queue and we also struggle. I mean, solo queue's hard. It's, it's so just hard. So hard. That's great. Like, I've been challenged of like seven seasons or eight seasons. And, and the like, game's still hard. It's still so, every season, it's just a grind. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. And I love that. And, and I think that it's important to, that we, 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 we are open about that. And, yep. we sh- and, 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 and that's why we do everything. Because it works. And that's the only thing that's going to make... Um, make make you get better. And last thing I will want to say, small little quick side note. I think I spoke to you about this off camera, the micro thing. 
where what good quality micro actually is. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll have to do a clip. Maybe we do a clip or a video at some point talking about this, but I've been really passionate about improving micro. Uh, I did a video on how to improve micro. And if I were to go back in time, I, I would add one thing. Very simply, I want to do a quick TLDR here for people out there. Something for, for laners, specifically the laners. Um, if you're a top laner, mid, bot. Typically, when you hear good quality micro, what do you think of? You think of like really like a lot of clicks, right? A lot of clicks. Good movement, beautiful movement. Like like a lot of rapid movement, like they're clicking close to their character. Like it's just a lot of wiggling and stuff like that. Yeah. That's one element of it. That's one element of it. Really good quality micro from what I've seen is actually less so a lot of clicks and cl and a lot of spamming and stuff. It's a combination of short and long clicks. So if you watch any very good, like maybe outside of Faker, but like, because Faker is kind of an anomaly, but like any other very high, um, you know, really good player in EU or Korea, they do a combination of long and short clicks. So you watch, say, Magi Felix. He will do like a long click and then a very short rapid corner. Like I view, I view the movements kind of like if I think, I, I try to think things visually. If we were to draw the path of what the clicks would look it's like. It's like Morse code. Yeah, kind of. Dash, it's a dash. dot, dot. Yeah, dash, yeah, spot on. dot, dot. Dash, dot, dot. Dash, dot, dot. So you watch them and it's so, when you verse someone who does this really well, it's very hard to deal with. Dash, dot, dot. And then they might do dot, dot, dash, dash, two dashes, dot, dot. But it's always a dash with like a small click. And the reason this is superior to constant clicks is because you're actually maximizing distance. And there was a really good example that Six Cent in my Discord highlighted. It was of Zeus, probably one of the best mechanical players in the world. Best, one of the best players in the world, actually, overall. And he was trying to escape from a Nidalee. And the Nidalee was right behind him, ready to throw a spear. And what he did with his movements, they weren't short clicks, but they weren't long clicks. He did like medium clicks. And you might just think, oh, you know, he's just, that's just, that's normal. No. The, the click length was the perfect combination of not so long that his movements were too elongated and long, but they were not so short that he wasn't moving anywhere because if, they're too, if he's moving side to side, he's actually not covering distance. They were like a medium-sized click, which actually allows him to both simultaneously move his character an actual distance upwards vertically, but also alternate his movements left to right. And so Zeus is a player that's mastered the combination of short and long clicks and alternation between short and long clicks to overwhelm the enemy mental stack and you don't know where they're going to move and how they're going to move. And I think Magi Felix is also a player that is very good at this. And it doesn't look sexy, but it's actually the most effective input. It's the most effective form of micro, in my opinion. So if you're a laner out there and you're watching any high level player, very, very high level player, we're talking like the best of the best, keep an eye out for the way they click. If you can get their point of view, that's the best. Um, watch like the way they click and, and, and how it's like a, it's long and then a short turn, sharp turn. And just keep an eye out for that. I think it's a nice little interesting thing to keep an eye out for. Great. Oh. Learning how to macro at the end of the podcast. That's what I like to hear on the Lovely. solo Q improvement podcast. We'll see you guys on the rift.